Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we are especially happy because I have a new co-host. Yay! Sam Page, longtime listener, is joining us starting today on Wednesdays. And uh, so that's one less co-host spot I got to fill in. By the way, any listeners who want to be a co-host, it works. See, Sam contacted me. He's on the show. It works this way. It actually plays out. It's cool. So, Sam, first of all, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for being part of the podcast. What, what made you decide to do it? What made you just decide to say yes? Whoop, can you hear me? Uh-oh. I think we have an audio issue. This is actually par for the course, Mike. Mike <laughs> Duffy is also joining us today. He's a he's Mr. Happiness. We'll be getting to him in just a moment. But Mike, literally when I started this podcast, I started it in 2012 with my wife. And the first 20 minutes of the first episode never actually got recorded. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. So, you know, this is like par for the course, not a problem. But Sam, can you hear us? Sam's muted. I think he's having a technical issue. We'll let him connect in in a moment. So anyway, that, that was sort of a, a, a non-dramatic, dramatic entrance for Sam. But, oh, he's having trouble hearing. Okay. He sent me a, a, a private message. So we'll let him sort that out. He'll be back soon. A um, couple messages I want to put out there. First of all, we are getting a lot of growth in the LOA Today Facebook group. So uh, if you are a listener and have not joined the group, feel free to join in. There's a lot of uh, new listeners coming in there, not, not people who are even new to Law of Attraction, never heard of it before. So it, it's kind of uh, in its uh, nascent stages, so, so to speak, which is kind of odd. We've been doing the show all this time, and we never really got a group going in a major way, but it's happening now. So um, just look for the LOA Today group on Facebook or send me an email if you're having trouble finding it. I'll be glad to hook you in. Also, um, as, if you have friends who are interested in getting uh, the Money Game book that Daniel Mangana put together, um, we're offering that as an incentive to people who join the group. So that's a good way to get it into the hands of friends you've always wanted to get it into their hands about. So just those two little pieces of information there. So let's go to our guest, Mike Duffy. First of all, I love the fact he's like, I'm not going to tell you the whole title yet because it's better to not tell you the whole title. He's the CEO of happiness. Now the whole title is he's the CEO of happiness wealth management, but I like the CEO of happiness. I just think that's a great title all by itself. But I seriously, Mike Duffy, he's a philanthropist. He's the author of five books on happiness, including the happiness book, A Positive Guide to Happiness, and the positive book for men, and the positive book for kids, volumes one and two. Two volumes. I love that for kids. I mean, they, and seriously, we should be teaching kids from a very young age to be happy. I love that you're doing that. And, and you heard the intro, Mike. I mean, this is your daily dose of happy. So what a better place to have the CEO of happiness than on LOA today. Thanks for joining us today. Well, Walt, thank you so much for having me on. And that was that was a great intro. And, um, you know, before the show, you'd say, what do you want to talk about? And I think with with all that's going on in the world. I just I'm just here to tell people that life is beautiful and that life is worth living, but life is worth living to the fullest. Mm. The unexamined life is not a life worth living. You have to write down, what are your goals? Benjamin Franklin said that 1% of people in this life are successful because only 1% of people write down their goals, right? So point. my happiness formula is P plus P equals H. 
Purpose plus progress equals happiness. When you are so focused on making progress in your purpose, it doesn't matter what country invades what country. It doesn't matter that you're locked in your house during COVID. You are on purpose. And that's when happiness shows up. That's a great way of looking at it. I like that. I had not heard that one before. So thank you for that little tidbit. That's a cool one. Whatever got you involved in the idea of focusing on happiness? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't run into many people who are in the same happiness field as we are here on LOA today. So when I encounter a fellow soul, a fellow traveler on the path, I got to find out how you got on the path in the first place. Here's the thing. Sometimes in life, great tragedies bring about great things. So when I was 17 years old, I lost my mom to cancer. It only took three months. Mm -hmm. And here you have a woman, 48 years old, looks like Sophia Loren, as funny as Lucille Ball, (laughs) generous as Mother Teresa, and all of a sudden, she's gone. Mm -hmm. And that had a 17-year-old boy in Queens going from very happy to very sad. Sure. Now, Walt, you're around my age. So you remember in 1984, uh, the only people back then who went to therapy were crazy people, right? It was not encouraged, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and both my parents had a sixth grade education. So there was no money in the house ever. So I had to figure out a way to get back to happy. So I got a degree in psychology. I read everything, both scientific research, and I still am very much up to on that today, but most importantly, ancient wisdom on happiness, success, and resilience. So I have been obsessed since I was 17 years old. That's how it started. So so if you started exploring this stuff in 1984, that was really before the positive psychology movement got going. That was a good 10 to 12 years before it really even started. So you were working in the abnormal psych age. That was the, that was the age where we find all the terrible things. We're going to try to identify every single terrible thing we can find in the human psyche. And we're going to study it. And then we're going to play it up. You I mean, are so <laughs> right. Um, you know, I'm friends with Dr. Fred Luskin uh, mm. and at, at Stanford. And um You know, I was telling him, you know, when I got my degree in psychology, the reason why I didn't get my Ph.D. is because everything was based on abnormal psychology. You know, Dr. Seligman came out in 1999 with positive psychology. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, you know, I would show up to these psych classes and they were going to have the secret to a happy life. They weren't. And and what did so Fred told me because back then we were the high priests of disorder. Yes, (laughs) that's it, exactly. In Uh, fact, Seligman was one of them. He actually put out a book a few years before called Helplessness. And it was all about, here's what makes a helpless personality. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, and and thank God for people like Tony Robbins. Yeah. You know, Tony Robbins is in the Happiness Hall of Fame. Deepak Chopra's in the Happiness Hall of Fame. Um, And, you know, I've got some great, more modern thinkers um, like Dr. Laura Delazana from Stanford Medical School. Mm. I took her class uh, called Choosing Happiness. It was an adult education class. But um, the greatest course I ever took was a course called Failure. Mm. 
Mm. And it was uh, adult education, continuing education, which I would really tell people to, to start taking. It was at Stanford, and it was taught by this very elderly professor. Like, I don't, I don't even know if he's still alive, but it was taught by this very elderly professor who moved out from Wisconsin in the late fifties and started teaching at Stanford. And it, it, this course changed my life. And, and here was the whole thing with it. It was eight weeks. He brought, he, he put you into accountability groups of four. By the way, I have seven accountability partners all around the world. I've got one in Iceland. I've got one in Norway. We check in once a week. Nice. You have to have accountability partners. And what we would do at the end of every class, we would break up and we would, we would tell each other what we were going to attempt that we were afraid of doing for fear of failure. And then we would come back the following week and report our results. Excellent. Now I can tell you that over that eight week period, I never failed once. I had the excuse, not that I ever had to roll it out, <laughs> that if somebody questioned me on what I was trying to do, I could say, you know what, I'm taking this crazy class named failure and I'm trying to do this. So if you could not think of me as so crazy, I would really appreciate it. I never even had to do that. Whatever I tried, I succeeded at. But, but here's the reason why I bring up this conversation. I think back now. And I think about the people that I would meet with every week. And I can tell you that half the people we would meet every week would be like, uh, you know what? I thought about it, but I didn't do it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this week. And then you come back. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was really too high what I was really shooting for. But and I think about when they see that word, do they have regrets all those years ago that they didn't shoot for what they could have tried to do? You know, you know, fear, if you look in it as an acronym, it stands for false evidence appearing real. Right. And how many times you see God put in our hearts a very unique dream for all of us. I don't know what he put in your heart, Walt, but I know what he put in mine. And it's what I'm doing right now, which is bring to the people to examine your life, to write down the purposes of your life and then to write down action steps next to it. Because it's with massive action that you get massive results and massive happiness. Are you unhappy right now? It's because you're not fulfilling your purpose in one of the aspects of your life. So get in tune with that. Get on the program. Yeah, what you're really talking about, from the way I would describe it, now we, we use different terminologies perhaps, but I think we come to the same point. I would talk about it in terms of you got to get your mindset set and then you got to take the action to back the mindset. You really can't have just one or the other, which is what we often do, right? I mean, some people are all about the mindset. They don't ever take any action. Other people are all about the action. They don't do anything about the mindset. And God only help me talk about failure. Let me tell you, it gets really interesting there. But, but the fact is, until you get the two in alignment, that's when the good stuff starts to happen. That's how you ended up in the place you were in where I can't seem to fail. Everything comes out. It comes out. Yes, right. It's <laughs> true. You the mindset followed by the action, one with the other. If you have a noble purpose, I'm not talking about hoarding. I'm talking about having a noble purpose. A thousand years ago, St. Augustine said that it's in giving that we receive. It's true then. It was true now. So get that noble purpose. You know, for folks, I would say, you know, look into your heart. 
you know, some people are very much affected by stray dogs and cats, and it keeps them up at night. And it just breaks their heart when that commercial comes on. You know that, you know that singer, yeah, and, you know, and literally are crying. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that means that there's a dream in your heart to help animals. Mm. So then write down, what is it could you do? Maybe open up a second shelter in your little town. And then you say, but Mike, I, I don't know how to organize. Well, that's what Facebook is for. Find an accountant who's good at writing government grants to set the money up, right? And can do the books. Find out people that are just like you and get this together and launch that. Time is running out. I remember when I started the Happiness Hall of Fame, which is a 501c3, I approached Dr. Wayne Dyer and I said, you know, this is, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. And, and Wayne, those of you who are not familiar with him, he had 10 PBS specials. He wrote 42 books. He was an amazing human being. He encouraged me. He goes, that sounds like me. But what Wayne always said was, do it now. We are not yes. promised the future. So, you know, I said to him, hey, when you're in Phoenix, I'm going to be in Phoenix at the same time. I'll take a picture of you with our award. And, you know, I'll induct you personally in the hall because you can't come out to Stanford to our big annual event. A week before I'm supposed to meet with him, he drops dead of a heart attack. Oh, my. Right. So, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow. So for the listeners that are listening right now, write down purpose and then write down the multiple purposes of your life, write down progress on the right side of the page, and then write down those action steps. And that's when happiness shows up. By the way, you also mentioned uh, now, living in the now, living in the present. You know, Wayne Dyer is an excellent uh, teacher of that. And the concept that comes to my mind as as you're talking about that in the context of uh, animals who are homeless and strays and so forth, which you were mentioning earlier, sometimes it just comes to you, especially if you're focused on it. My wife was focused on it. She was focused on it in the sense that she wanted to have us to have a couple of cats. Well, one day in the summer of 2013, she calls out to me. We were living in Virginia at the time. She calls out to me, hey, Walt, have you seen this black cat before? And I look outside and sure enough, there's this black cat. She's trying to tease him to come out from under a bush. And nope, never seen him before. Well, the next day, the same cat shows up again. And it's becoming pretty evident to us he's, he's hungry. You know, so there's something going on there. So well, we didn't have any cat food in the house. So he, he ate well that day. He got swordfish. <laughs> <laughs> he ate very, very well. And apparently the word got over to his siblings because there were three others. This was all part of a, a family that had been evicted. We didn't know this. They had, they had been evicted from the house across the street and they had left the animals behind. Wow. Which is really odd because we found out later they had actually adopted the animals from the shelter. So they knew what to do with the animals, but for whatever reason, they didn't deliver them to the shelter. But that's a side story. The point is two of these animals showed up very quickly in our lives. And so, you know, instead of trying to figure out what our purpose is, we just decided, well, why don't we just take them in? Mm-hmm. Now, by the way, I should mention our lease had a no pet lease. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we weren't allowed to do this. Uh-huh. 
And in the course of finding out uh, about those two, we found out about two more. So we ended up with four cats. By the way, the, the, there were two sets of cats. There were two black cats, two gray cats. We called them the blacks and the grays. The grays didn't get along with the blacks. The blacks didn't get along with the grays. So we actually had two different parts of the house. It was you know, upstairs for the, for the black cats and downstairs for the gray cats so that they wouldn't get into a fight with each other. But uh, it, it was quite uh, an experience living with these cats. And we ended up moving very shortly afterward to a place where we could only keep two cats. So we kept the two black cats. We had to take the two gray cats to the shelter because we couldn't find a home before we moved. But after we moved up here, we just kept following up with our network of people still in Virginia saying, hey, we're looking for homes for these two cats. So we got homes for them. Yes. So we didn't even have to set up a shelter. Uh -huh. We didn't have to do anything. We uh -huh. simply took the opportunity that came to us and ran with it. I love it. That's To me, that's that's real living in the now. Because that's like, okay, now just showed me some cats. What am I going to do about them? I love it. I love it. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. And Sam, there's another great story. Sam is able to reconnect in. Can you hear us now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, we're two for two. <laughs> oh we can hear you. You can hear us. This is good. Beautiful. Yeah. Just as soon as we started going on air, I was hearing, I don't even know how to describe it. It sounded like something out of the sci-fi thing. It was just a really low sound. <laughs> the city sounds human generated. And then when I came back, I like restarted my phone. I also came to show because reasons, and then came back and I heard Mike's beautiful story. So it was a wonderful thing to come back to. Well, that is a good thing. That's a very good thing. Yes. So obviously, you know, when you're a first time co-host, there, there are things we have to kind of iron out technically, but we'll get there. You know, you'll be an old hand before you know it, you know. Um, I do want to do a little interruption with the conversation we're having with Mike right now, because we promised to do this at the top of the show. You can't really do it at the top of the show because we're past the top of the show. But we're here right now where we are, about a third of the way through. Sam has promised he was going to do a little improv place piece for us on his piano. So what do you got for us, Sam? Let's find out. I'm excited to see what comes out. <laughs> okay. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. There you go. Fantastic. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that is a talented man, right, Mike? Yes. That's true talent. Yeah. Uh -oh. That's that's basically just letting it flow right through you. Come right from spirit, right from source, whatever you want to call it, from God. It just flows right through. That, that's exactly, like, my intention. At this point now, I just kind of try to channel, like, source connection and just let what comes out comes out, and that's what came out. <laughs> Beautiful. And you're Darn good at it, man. Thank you so much. Well, I, I wanted to make sure that listeners got, I mean, we did have you on the show one other time doing uh, okay. one of your pieces, you know, and, and so some of the listeners who caught that episode anyway, you know, they, they knew about it, but I wanted to make sure more people heard about it because, and we're going to hear more stuff too. We'll, we'll actually get some of the technical stuff ironed out so we get some really strong sound. That was pretty good, but <laughs> well, we can, we can aim for better than that, I think. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, so we'll just keep ironing it out until we get it perfect, and then we'll just have wonderful music. I, I can just see you like doing a, a, a theme for us every single show that you're on. I mean, Ooh, I like that. You know, that could happen, right? So, you have to do. Yeah, good stuff. See, now there's happiness right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, what's more happy than music? Well, now, did you know that science says that the happiest music that you can listen to is 50 mu- 50s music and most classical? Of course, not the dirges. Mm. So whenever I am about to, you know, speak uh, and I need to clear my head, I go to Sirius XM, I turn on the 50s channel, and most of it's very silly. But it that's is. okay, right? Mm-hmm. It's that's okay. You know, our brain is a computer. What you put in comes out. So if you're listening to happy music, you'll be happier as a result of it. This is true. In fact, I have my own positive music playlist that I play on my phone when I take my walks every day so that I can keep myself going. Yeah. And just build up that energy. It it works. It works great. And it, it works no matter what space you're in. If you're in, you could be in complete depression. I've been there and I've done this in complete depression and it picks you up. It yeah. may take you a while, depending on how long you've been down there. Mm-hmm. But if you stick with it, it'll pull you right out. Yeah. It does it almost better than anything else that I know of, really. I agree. Sam, you know that. Oh, definitely. And it's well, he creates it. That's how he yeah, knows. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. But as well as listening to, and sometimes it leads me to dance, which always is great. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, you were born with a natural gift. Unfortunately, I was not. So it was my... I come from a family of singers, and they wanted an accompanist, right? So from first grade to senior year in high school, I was forced into taking piano lessons with zero talent. (laughs) And I remember I would come home uh, after getting piano lessons as a kid starting the first grade from Sister Catherine. It was $2 an hour, right? So we could afford that. (laughs) And I would say, she's not a good teacher. She's not a good teacher. Finally, and they're like, she's she's a nun. She's <laughs> you good. don't argue with a nun. <laughs> so after six years of taking lessons from a woman who shouldn't be teaching anybody piano, the woman couldn't <laughs> play piano. We had her over to the house. And, you know, I'm from New York City. I grew up in Queens. Everybody has a basement. It's usually finished. So we had dinner in the basement, right? Mm. And then upstairs we had the piano. So my parents said, Okay, you know, we'll do the dishes. Michael, go upstairs with Sister Catherine and and play the piano. So we go upstairs. My parents are downstairs. They hear the piano playing. And then after the song is over, my dad yells up the stairs. Okay, now let Sister Catherine play. And Sister Catherine goes, Mr. Duffy, that was me. <laughs> oh. That was my last answer, Sister Catherine. The truth came out. (laughs) I guess you got what you were paying for. This is true. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you you didn't pay a lot for it, and you didn't get a lot. It was a fair deal, really. (laughs) Indeed, indeed it was. It just goes to show, though, even uh, an unfortunate, we'll call it that, an unfortunate set of circumstances like that led to a fortunate ending. In fact, it led it's to a, a couple of stories. We, we've laughed about that. St- we'll still laugh about that story to this day. It's part of family sure. lore. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happens with the really good stories. So let's, let's tell some more stories. Let's tell some more happiness stories. I mean, you're sure. the happiness CEO. You, you induct people into the happiness hall of fame. 
And, you know, uh, well, first of all, what are the criteria? I'm curious. What criteria, how do you decide whether somebody gets in? We recognize, celebrate, encourage people and organizations that make other people happy. Ah, okay. So do you make other people happy? Um, you know, one of the, well, the latest inductee is John C. Maxwell. Are you guys familiar with him? He's written 82 books, mostly about leadership. He hmm. sold 24 million copies in 50 different languages. I wow. inducted him a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, the wisdom from this guy is just, is just amazing. Um, but one of my favorite stories is, uh, from Hale Irwin. Do you, have mm -hmm. you guys ever heard of Hale the Irwin? Golfer. Yes. So Hale Irwin has run three U.S. Opens, mm -hmm. won multiple Ryder Cups. I think he's got 46 PGA Tour wins, which is almost impossible. Sounds right. Yeah. Oldest man to win a U.S. Open at 45 years old playing mm -hmm. kids, right? Yeah. So he calls me up and, uh, I, I was getting, I was getting boba tea with my, with my kids during, you know, the height of COVID about a year ago. And we had a wonderful conversation. And I said, you know, I talk all around the world about happiness and success. I go, how can the average person increase their success? Because Hale, I've watched, I've watched movies about you and, and videos about you, you know, the 1972 U.S. Open, and there you are. Um, and I said, you know, what, what comes to mind is the film, the 1991 Ryder Cup called The War by the Shore. Mm -hmm. At the end, it's the U.S. versus Europe. It's you versus Bernhard Langer, mm -hmm. who art machine and there you are it's down between you two and whoever fails the other one's going to win mm -hmm. how did you not fail in that situation you looked like a field general completely composed <laughs> you always do he goes mike let me tell you a story he says in the 1972 u.s open my first i'm a young man and on the 17th hole just before it's about to be over, I realize that all of my hopes, all of my dreams are about to come true. Mm. That I, Hale Irwin, can actually win the U.S. Open. It was at that moment that my heart started beating out of my chest. Mm. I started to feel faint. I started to have a heart attack. And I looked to my right, and there's hundreds of people looking at me. And I said, I can't have my heart attack out of the camera's purview over there. I'll look to my left. And there's even more people over <laughs> there because I can't believe this. I'm going to be the first golfer to have a heart attack and fall to the ground because I can't stand up anymore. Mm. And it was at that moment that a voice came into my head and it was my father. And he said, Hale, I told you to finish what you start. Now get in there and finish <laughs> what you start. And he goes, I put my head down. I said, okay, dad, I put my head down. I, I made it through the round. I didn't collapse. But the moral of the story there is that we're always going to be in those high pressure situations. You have to prepare. You've got to plan for peace. You have to have something to think about that can give you sustenance through the hard times whether it's a quote, whether it's something your parents told me. So 
you know, and of course, today we know that that wasn't a heart attack. It was a panic attack, right? Mm-hmm, sure. And today, because of COVID, so much stress, so much anxiety, at least now we're conscious of what's going on. So what I would encourage people to do is to get deep into reading and finding good thoughts and, and, and good phrases that they can grasp and hold on to when those hard times hit, to be prepared and to plan for peace. Let's also take a moment to describe what a, a good thought is. I think we could probably get different definitions from different people. I mean, for myself, a good thought is anything that I focus my attention on that I like, that feels good, that mm-hmm. I, I feels important to me, that you know, it really jazzes me and so forth. But, but what's a good thought from your perspective? Well, I, you know, when I, when I go around the country uh, and I, I'm speaking live, I was in Austin last week, and what I do is I, I have a clip. And I have something called positive memory breathing. And basically, it's conscious breathing, which has been scientifically proven to lower stress and anxiety. And on top of that, I tell people to close their eyes and in their mind, remember some of the most beautiful things that have happened to them. For me, I have a memory of the morning that I got married. So I'm at a hotel in La Jolla overlooking the Pacific Ocean. It was my wife's dream always to be married overlooking the Pacific Ocean. I'm standing there at the altar and out of a door, my wife walks out in this beautiful white gown. It was the first time in my life I've ever looked at somebody and they took my breath away. I went, And I couldn't believe that somebody so beautiful would want to marry somebody like me. So I think about that moment as she came out of the hotel, and I just couldn't believe the beauty that filled my soul at that time. Mm, What a wonderful way to bring a good thought into your mind on demand, because that's really what that is. You basically have found a way to tap into it whenever you need to get that energy. That's beautiful. You have to distract yourself from your problems. See, what happens is we go into a downward cycle. We go into a downward thought paddle, a circular reasoning and a circular pattern that we have to break. Mm. Otherwise, you're like, I don't make enough money. How am I going to pay the rent? Break it. Because that's not going to lead to success in the outcome. You have to break it because when you stay in peace, you stay in power. When you stay in power, you can succeed. And what's really cool about those words that you use, when you say in power, I think in personal power or personal superpower, because that's really what that is. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, we we often, people often say, well, what's your superpower? And it's kind of an ongoing joke slash tease at the same time. But it really is true. We do have superpower just by tapping into what's inside. That, That inside is an amazing superpower. The hardest part is just discovering that we really do have it. Well, my superpower is forgiveness. Oh, I like that one. Would you like to hear the story of how I got sure, it? Sure, yeah, let's hear it. So I'm writing my first book, The Happiness Book, and I'm looking at the San Francisco Chronicle, and it says the most popular and hardest class to get into at Stanford University is taught by Dr. Fred Luskin and Carol Protowski, now two very close friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I have to interview these two amazing people. So I called up Fred and uh, I said, you know, I'm writing this book and I, I've got to get your take. I can't write this book without 
some input from you. So he says, okay, let's go get Chinese food. Now, as a New Yorker, of course, I'm like, where? Uh, (laughs) We meet in Palo Alto, and in walks Fred, sit down, and I say, you know, Dr. Luskin, he goes, please, call me Fred. I'm a Fred. I'm not a Dr. Luskin. You're not a doctor. Okay. I said, Fred, you know, you are known as the forgiveness guy. You've wrote, you've written forgive for good, forgive for life, forgive your dog. No, just kidding. I said, if there's anybody, you're the number one guy in the world on forgiveness. Now, I, I'm a massive reader. I have read everything. All the quotes, you know, the quote, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting your enemy to die, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I can get all of these things in my head but I can't get forgiveness into my heart. How do I do that? And he said, Mike, he goes, I want you to close your eyes. So I did. He goes, I want you to think of one person that hurt you. Not the army of people that have offended you, just one. Mm -hmm. And I want you to silently say, I forgive them. So I did. So he goes, well, you've just forgiven that person. It's gone, so it's behind you. He goes, Mike, Forgiveness is a selfish act. It is. It doesn't mean the person that did you wrong is now somehow right. It just means that you've made the decision to dispose of the unforgiveness, to let go of that burden. They no longer have power over you. So I say this all the time. I almost, now I mean this almost, I almost look forward to people doing me wrong because it feels so good to forgive. (laughs) That's a good line. I like that. Uh, Actually, I want to bring another concept to you. This is one that we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, It comes from David Strickle, actually. David was going to be on the show. He couldn't make it today, and you very generously were able to fill in in his place. But uh, David points out uh, that, the step that actually goes beyond forgiveness and forgiveness is great, by the way, forgiveness is wonderful, but the step beyond that is appreciation, mm-hmm. appreciating the thing that you're forgiving or the person that you're forgiving or the event that you're forgiving or whatever it is, finding a way to appreciate that. Have you found that to be true for you? You know, I pray for the people that have wronged me. I think that's the ultimate next step to, mm. to, to wish them that their life gets better, mm-hmm. right? Then you really freeing yourself up to live in a space of gratitude, that life is beautiful and worth living. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look, any time that you make the decision to choose to be happy in whatever realm that takes place, you're making a good decision in your life. Any time that you decide, you know what, instead of picking up a book that deals with whatever issue it is, terrible circumstance, blah, 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 and you, you decide to pick up a book on how you can help yourself in different areas of your life from wise people who've walked that same road is a good thing. So, yes, gratitude is a huge part of being happy. To be happy with what you have and not to be disappointed with what you don't have. You see this play out in theme parks all around the world. You see crying children in theme parks. You knew that they were crying to get their parents to take them to this so they can stand <laughs> in line for two hours and they get there and they're disappointed, mm. right? Um, and that's just what happens as, as, as people. We're, we, we, we focus more on what we don't have than what we do. Mm-hmm. 
Very true. Very, very true. In fact, I would say that's probably the number one ill that human beings have to wrestle with on a regular basis. The fact that they continue, that we continue, I'm not going to say they, we, because I've done it too. We continue to fo- keep focusing our attention on stuff that doesn't serve us. You would think we'd actually learn at some point, right? No. no. <laughs> more, more, more. Remember that quote from the 70s? More, more, more. Yes, yes. That's what How do you like it? Do. How do you like it? That's your caveman brain. <laughs> Um, and it, and it leads, by the way, you know, there's two paths to take in life. There's a lighted path, which is the good path. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't do drugs. Don't do alcohol. Right. But society paints that lighted path as the difficult path. Right. But the difficult, which is path, odd, really, because it's not all that difficult. Yeah. The difficult path is a path of drugs, a path of crime. You know, all the bad things that you should avoid, society elevates that and say, oh, that's the good path. That's the one you want to be on. So, you know, the the caveman brain in us gets thousands of thoughts every day. And we can't turn off those negative thoughts, but we can ignore them. And we replace those negative thoughts with thoughts of gratitude and thoughts of beauty. We break the cycle, but it has to be a conscious choice. Interesting you should mention that because for the longest time I was haunted by those negative thoughts that kept going through the mind. And it was actually getting to the point where they were dominating my mind. I was really, really frustrated with it. And then I started doing, are are you familiar with uh, mirror exercises or mirror work? Basically where you talk to yourself in the mirror and you give yourself a pep talk. I love you. You're wonderful. All this kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I did that for 30 days. And after 30 days, that voice shut up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just went quiet and it's been quiet ever since. And so you actually can get rid of the voice. You can get rid of that, that negative chitter chatter that just keeps going on. You can actually stop it. You, it. you don't even have to ignore it. It just kind of goes away. And I think the reason it happens is the more that you appreciate yourself, the less need you have to listen to it. So you just, it's not like you have to stop listening. You just kind of stop. It's like you're no longer interested anymore because you feel good enough about yourself. You don't have to even pay attention to it. And so it just kind of goes away. It's a pretty cool thing, really. Well, affirmations are very positive. Very, very positive affirmations. Uh, and so, you know, I, I absolutely, uh, and, and, and looking at ancient wisdom, you know, there's a reason why ancient wisdom is still around today. We as human beings haven't evolved that much, right? <laughs> and it's true, right? It's not, well, you know, I, I love talking to somebody around my age. You remember in the 70s and 80s when they told us to stop eating butter and start eating margarine? Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's what moms across America did because they loved their family and they gave us trans fats in the name of science, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was terrible. Margarine tastes awful. It does. It's horrible stuff. And I remember when we made that switch to beautiful melting butter and a hot baked potato. I'm Irish. This is what my soul yearned for. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> and now you have these chemicals, right? This is oil, this transfigured oil, right? Melting. You're like, why are we eating the butter? Because I love you. <laughs> Fortunately, we, we shifted on that. Fortunately, at some yeah. point, we woke up and said, you know, actually, I think the butter is better for me than that oleo stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's actually illegal now. Remember? Uh, some of it is, yes. The right? Trans the fat trans fat. Fat. You, can't, you can't put that in. 
But yet, <laughs> this is what we were force-fed and um, with a noble purpose attached to it. Mm -hmm. so, so, so ancient wisdom avoids all of that. It's, it's not a fad, right? And, it, it's, and it's very striking to implement that in your life. What do you think about ancient wisdom that makes it wise? What is it that makes the, the, the stuff? Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of, um, you know, history. History has recorded a lot of stuff, but there's only little little tidbits, little bits of it that we call the ancient wisdom. Why, why is that part the wise part? Well, here's the deal. When you are confronted with wisdom, it makes sense because it's true. Right. So a lot, you know, in today's age, we are confronted with knowledge and with wisdom. Knowledge is what you can get from the Internet, right? And, and we have, you, you have all of the world's knowledge at your fingertips, on your it's, phone. It's wonderful. But wisdom helps you implement that knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And it increases your joy, your happiness. You know, that's, that's what my whole mission in life is. The purpose of my life is to help other people get happier, to other people realize that there is joy to be had, not at Christmas, not on your birthday, but every single day. And open yourself up to the wisdom that, that you can come up with, but you have to search it out. You have to stop watching Dateline. And you know yes. that guy, you know that guy, murder. Susie would light up a room, but she didn't know what was going to be lit was her murder. Stop watching that stuff and dive into things that can really make you happy. Yeah. What feeds your soul? What, not, not what yeah. takes away from your soul. What feeds it? Yeah. What helps you? And, and there's a very simple test too. If you're not sure about what's the stuff to pay attention to, watch a bit of it and ask yourself, do you feel better or worse? Yep. If you feel better, do more of that. If you feel worse, stop doing that. <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward rule. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure that one out. And yet, yeah. it's, to treat it like it takes rocket science, I'm not sure why, but we do. And you know, the, there's a great. Um, there was a great sportscaster in the in the Bay Area, and he would always close his radio show program with, "Angels fly because they take themselves lightly." <laughs> I think That's that good. you know. <laughs> I think we need to take ourselves more lightly these mm. days. I think there's really been an emphasis on the seriousness of problems. And to just go back to joy, right? If you look back on your life and you examine the happiness, the happiest times of your life, generally what you're going to find is you're going to be sitting around. Obviously, you're not going to be by yourself, right? So there's that whole self thing. Get that out of the way. But you're going to be with the people that you love, whether it's friends, whether it's family. And the memories that are going to be conjured up are you're sitting with the people that you love and you're going to be laughing. So focus more on, on things that make you laugh. As we come out of COVID, go, you know, go to comedy clubs again. Mm. It's a great way to exercise all of the, all of the burdens you've been carrying and just leave it behind, right? Uh, and, and try to try to find somebody with clean comedy. Unfortunately, today's it's harder to do. It, 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 it takes some work. Yeah, you have yeah. to actually do some homework. That's you know, true. I yeah. love Jim Gaffigan. That guy is hysterical. But, uh, you know, try to take yourself more lightly and try to find movies and shows that make you laugh.
Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and try to find laughter in your own life, too. I'm, I, I'm sure you found this because you are the pre- professor of happiness, so you can't <laughs> not have found this out. But happiness is contagious. Yes. Funny thing is, you get yourself into a happy state, all of a sudden, everybody around you is happy. Yes. And they don't even know how they got there. Well, I know, Walt, you're into the law of attraction. Am I right? Absolutely. Sure. Let me let me pose a question to your audience as they listen to the sound of my voice. Would you rather be around people that are sad and seek them out? Or would you rather be around people who are happy and laugh all the time and bring you up? If you're into the law of attraction, try stress inside to be happier. When you're around other people, even if you're not feeling it, rise above and get yourself to that point where you're vibrationally more active. Do it for yourself and for other people. Ignore your problems and don't bring them to the fore. What's going to happen is you're going to attract more success, more love, and more good times into your life. Your schedule will fill up as we come out of COVID. I thought at first it was a, it was a trick question. Do you, would you rather be sad or happy? Like, okay, is there another shoe to drop here? What's going on? I don't understand. Oh, you did it, Walt. I'm preaching to the choir over here. But the folks that are listening, look, they are perpetually sad people and proud of it. They this will never fail to remind you how bad the world is. Mm-hmm. You know, folks, listen, we're in a crazy time right now. Are you going to wait till all the world problems are solved for you to be happy? Yeah, good luck with that Because it ain't going to happen. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's a losing battle. That, that one is a guaranteed loss. You want to fail? There you go. Yeah. That, that'll work real well. <laughs> You'll fail every time with that one. <laughs> it takes discipline to be happy. It takes, as Morrissey said, it takes strength to be gentle and kind. It's true. It's true. It, but it's an inner strength. Mm-hmm. It's not a physical strength. Well, it can be at times, but generally speaking, it's an inner strength. It's a strength that comes from connecting internally to who you are, to where you come from, to what makes you, you, to what the, the essential you is, not, not just the tissues and all that stuff. You know, what's the, what's the energetic you inside the you? Who is that? What's that connected to? It's connected to everything. That's the you you got to connect into. Cause when you connect into that, Actually, happiness gets pretty easy to find at that point. Yes, and you've got to let it out. You've got to let you've it out. You've got to express grateful. it. Yeah. So when I'm talking to somebody, what, what people don't understand is that I'm playing a game. So if you have a personal interaction with me, I, I have a game plan that you don't know about. I, and what I always try to do is make people laugh. I try to make them smile. That's the game that I constantly play. Why? Because it makes me happy, and I know it's going to make them happy. Why scuttle around in all of the muck of the world? Why not every time you interact with somebody, make them smile? Plus, it's a fun game. Yes. It really is fun. I mean, it's a challenge sometimes, but it is fun. And and when you get that win, where you, you get that little little wry smile out of somebody who wasn't smiling before, you go, yes, got that yes. another one. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Shock up that one on the scoreboard. Here we go. <laughs> And when you are gone, and when you have passed, you will leave a legacy of love, joy, and kindness. Isn't that something you want to be known for? Or do you want to be like, God, that guy was a jerk. When can we put him in the ground? Because that's going to be the choice. (laughs) 
it can work either way. It's really up to us. That's absolutely 100% for sure. And I know because I used to be the other guy. I mean, that's where I was 15 years ago. I was in that place and it's not a happy place. No. And I no, would, I would place. fight for it. I would actually defend it. Sure, I would go out of my way to defend it. I would, I would, I'm off. me, I'm not the negative one here. My, my wife used to, my, I, I've told this story before, but you haven't heard this one. So I got to tell you, my, my wife was very tolerant of a lot of stuff that I went through. My wife is a former psychotherapist. So she, obviously it's great to have that kind of relationship because she knows, you know, she, she knows the, the tricks of the trade. Well, if I got into a really bad place, so bad where I was so depressed, I was like lying on the couch, listless, you know, I lost all interest in everything. She would come over, straddle me grab my t-shirt, shake the t-shirt and say, snap out of it, which ine in inevitably would make me laugh. Of course. <laughs> it would work every single time. But you got to do that. You got to snap out of it by simply focusing more attention on what feels better. And until you recognize that that's important, you're going to continue to go down that spiral that you were talking about before. It's just, it's going to be endless because you keep feeding the spiral. You gotta stop. There ought to be like a sign. Don't feed the spiral. <laughs> well, well, Walt, first of all, welcome to the light. We've been waiting for you. Well, thank you. I made it. Hooray. <laughs> and, and it, look, for those of you with Netflix tonight, watch comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld and his best friend, Brian Regan. Ah, and it, he's done, he's done two of them, Brian Regan. It's the one where He's in the convertible Cadillac and they're going around L.A. And to your point of snap out of it, 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 it's so funny. So the two of them are sitting there and they go, remember, he goes, he goes, I remember my father. This is Brian Regan, who's a fantastic clean comedian. He used to work for Disney. And he goes, my father was always happy. Right. And one day I said, Dad, you know, growing up, you'd walk through that door every night and you were always so happy. He goes, yeah, well, you know, I was I was kind of sad on the way home, but I snapped out of it. He goes, can you imagine if there was a therapist, right? And his whole therapy was, oh, what's your problem? And they say, oh, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, snap out of it, right? And they're like, oh, wait a second. And he goes, they'd have a line around the corner. And they'd come out and be like, yeah, I was had all this problem. He told me snap out of it. I snapped out of it. He goes, hey, now I'm happy, right? But that's so like 1950s, 1960s, stuff out of it. Come on. But it works. It is. But it works. It works. That's all that really matters is it works. As long as it works, then use it. Put it to use. That's what I say. That's really important. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, with the uh, uh, the, the Happiness Hall of, you call it the Happiness Hall of Fame, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the official title of it, right? Um, you've already described what it takes to get into it. Have you ever had a case where you regretted the choice? No, I, I, I can honestly tell you there's around 200 people and organizations in there. There's, there's never been a time. I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky that the, the folks that I inducted didn't turn around and basically slap me in the face. So, you know, and that may happen in the future. I don't know. But uh, look, it's a human it's a human endeavor and human mm -hmm. endeavors are not perfect. And, you know, stuff fails from time to time. So be it. But actually, I, I can't really say that. Um, so that's a pretty good track record, really. Yeah. You know, no losses. That's, that's there, no there losses. Are, you know, there are pitchers that would like to have a no loss record. Yeah. There are, you know, that, that that's a big deal to, to actually hit it that well. And I think it also reinforces just how powerful happiness is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it, it, it's one thing to climb out of a depressed or angry or frustrated state, state to happiness and finally like it there and stay there. It's another thing entirely to live in a happiness state and then fall down into a depression state and choose you want to live there. I don't think I've ever heard that story. I've heard a lot of stories of people like you experienced. You, you experienced it when your mom died at 17, right? In fact, Sam has a similar story from, from a year or so ago. Um, we all have had stories where you know, we, we had this crash and burn type scenario. Mm -hmm. And those of us who have adopted the idea that, yes, I really am in a better space when I'm happy or when I'm joyful or when I'm at least focusing on things that feel good to me or positive things or whatever, they, that person tends to say, yes, I want to stay there. You don't, I've never heard a story. I've never had a guest on the show. I've never talked to anyone that I can think of who told me that they used to be in that spot, but they decided that there's so much to rant about and rave against in the world. They chose that instead. I've never heard that story. Have you? Well, once you see the light, you don't want to go into the dark. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, look, science shows that happy people are more likely to be married are more likely to not be sick. Happy people live longer, yeah. are more successful in business, and are, wait for it, happy. <laughs> oh, like, my God. <laughs> so, like, what, what more do you want out of life? Right? And, and you know, law of attraction, my friends are great people because I won't associate with non-great people. Mm. Right? And so I attract these people into my life and it enriches it. So good becomes great. Great becomes fantastic. And I just, I don't have down. I have up. I keep mm -hmm. going up, baby. And you keep going up because you keep making that decision. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I, again, this is a story I've never had come out of anybody's mouth. But if you had somebody who had been on a good trek for a long time and they, they stayed there and they were happy. And then they decided to just stop being happy. Yeah, they would kind of fall down into an unhappy space of some kind. Some terrible things would happen, whatever. But you know, there, there would be a negative set of events going on. And yet the fact that they don't stay there means, like we were talking before, there's, there's almost an addictive quality to happiness. Yeah. It's a positive addiction. I mean, just earlier today, I was actually on somebody else's podcast today. I was on the Chris Voss podcast. He's got this really big podcast, two and a half million listeners. And it was a great conversation. And in the course of that conversation with him, I was realizing that I love being happy. Mm -hmm. I love feeling joyful. I love focusing on stuff that I enjoy that makes me feel good. And I really have lost interest. And this is a guy, I'll tell you, Mike, my major in college was political science. Mm-hmm. I lived in the world of politics for decades. Yeah. And the best thing I ever did was leaving it because I finally oh. learned, I, I finally got my graduate degree. I finally realized politics is a waste of time. <laughs> it's just a complete total. And when I learned that my life got better and I never wanted to go back. I never <laughs> wanted to go back. I, I have no interest in politics. It, it doesn't make me happy. Um, well, it's a negative sum game is what it is. You, everybody loses. Yeah. So I, I just, I block that out. I focus on what makes me happy, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much better. It's yeah. So much better. And I can be more effective. I can't, look, I, I can't change the politics of the United States. I just have one vote. But what I can do is I can go on your show. After this, I'm going to be speaking to a charity uh, who resettles refugees in Canada. 
And I, I go through, you know, the name of my talk is happiness, success, and resilience. So mm. I give them the tools on how to be more successful in life. Right. Because um, what they're doing is very important. Um, and, and this is what makes me happy. Not, oh, blah, 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 politics. Oh, please get out. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Don't go there. It's just not yeah. a happy place. I, it, that, that, you can't win there. What was that, Sam? Like, I try to think if there's anybody that is actually genuinely happy from politics. Also, don't don't strain your brain. Yeah, don't strain your brain. I mean, seriously, that that could actually lead to uh, serious medical conditions. You don't want to go there. I'm used to my But you're right. There there aren't. You don't find happy people in politics. And, and in fact, the most successful politicians are the least happy. Yeah. They're very good at pro projecting as if they're happy. They got the big plastic smiles on. But when you find out what's really going on in their lives, they're miserable. Cool. They live miserable. They, they, I mean, literally, the most successful politician is the one who's going after power, right? I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Getting that political power. And the ones who get it, look at, look at what happens with presidents. Look at, look at a president before they take office for the first time and after they leave office. Look at their photos. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're more than four or eight years older. You're, you're, the, the image is of a person who's, who's aged like 30 years in the span of being in an office. That, that's what politics really does to you. Yeah. I don't even like talking about this right now. Sorry. I, I, I just, I just kind of ruined the whole conversation. <laughs> well, then let's get back on a happier track because we only have a couple minutes left anyway. So let, let's talk a little bit more about how to find out about Mike Duffy and his uh, Happiness Hall of Fame, and how, how do they reach out to you? How do they find more about what you're doing? Sure. So, if you want to, if you want to hear some great speeches that we've uh, taped over the years at the Stanford University Faculty Club, you can go to happinesshalloffame.com, um, and you can see a list of people uh, who've been inducted. Um, if you want to have myself come speak virtually or in person at your event. You can go to MikeDuffySpeaks.com. Beautiful. Very good. Well, first of all, thank you for being a last-minute slide-in substitute here. That, I mean, we kind of like magically made this happen in a 24-hour period, which doesn't normally happen when it comes to guests and hosts on podcasts. So thank you for being so accommodating in that way. And thank you for coming on and sharing your, your really happy, positive message. We love that. Well, Walt, thank you for you being you. You too as well, Sam, with your beautiful thank gift you. of music. You know, oh, it, it's the two yeah. people like you that makes this life worth living. Funny thing is, too. Oh, go ahead, Sam. I was going to say, from my perspective, also being my first day as a co-host, you are a great guest to have because you have this wonderful energy and message and everything. So I appreciate that about you as well. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. <laughs> That is a beautiful thing. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, um, there was an announcement I had to make. What was the announcement for today? Did I make it at the top? Oh, I think I made it at the top of the, the podcast about joining the LOA Today group. Didn't I tell that one? Oh. Yes. Okay. So, okay. We got the announcements done. So thank you very much. And thank you, uh, Sam, for joining the podcast. We'll, we'll get the uh, issues ironed out so we can hear you even better next time. So that'll be a good thing. Thank you, Mike Duffy. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.